Hey, it's Elle. And Anne. And you're listening to the Baby Project Podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss our journeys, as well as other warriors going through the ups and downs of infertility. Um, there's ups? <laughs> yes, there's ups. Okay. As a reminder, be kind to yourself and skip as needed. We know some topics may be triggering. Let's get talking. Joining us from Etobicoke, Ontario, we have Jenny on our podcast today. Jenny is a correctional officer who loves to play sports and all things exercise related. You most likely will find her at the gym, working out outside, doing yoga, or going for long bike rides. And if she is not having fun and getting fit, you can find Jenny with her husband relaxing at the cottage, fishing and boating. Welcome to the Baby Project, Jenny. Hey, guys. So excited to be here. Welcome, neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. You're so close to us. Yeah. really? You're you're probably the closest to us yet. Oh, nice. Everyone else has been like Ottawa, Sudbury. Yeah. Yeah. Ontario still, but you're like super close. You're within an hour of us-ish. You're like, we can meet you at Yorkdale Mall and probably like we would see each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just have a question. I know you, you love sports and all things sports, and I'm not going to ask you about what your favorite sport is. Cause that's kind of boring, but I want to ask you if you had a fuck yeah moment, like a Kawhi Leonard moment in any sport that you've ever played where you're like, yeah, I did that. Or I scored the winning goal or anything like that. Uh, I've had a few of those, not to brag, but uh, <laughs> oh, growing up playing hockey, um, there's a few times, you know, and it's not just you, like you don't, uh, you don't do these plays on your own, but when you have a good team pass or a good team play, it feels so good. You're just like, damn, we just did that. We just scored that goal. <laughs> yeah. So does there a memorable one where it's just like, it was intense. Like it was like, you needed to get this goal to get into the championship or something like that. Ah. <sighs> I mean, off the top of my head, there's, there was one time my team, we were playing against um, another team and they were just like, they thought they were the shit. They were just chirping the whole tournament and uh, they crushed us one game, but we came back and it was tied. I don't remember what the score was, but let's just say two, two, the entire game. Mm -hmm. And then we just came back with a vengeance and like, it was like a four person pass play. And then we scored, it was like the last minute of the game and it was just like everybody was jumping up and down it was so much fun oh yeah that's definitely a fuck yeah moment yeah love it just you explaining it right now i'm like yeah <laughs> suck it to you <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm not really a sports enthusiast <laughs> so i don't get it <laughs> no i do I'm just not much of a sports player. My husband (laughs) loves all things sports. And the only thing I kind of enjoy watching is baseball with him. The other hockey, not like not too bad, but like football and stuff. I don't get it. I've tried. He's tried to explain it to me. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. You know what? As long as you own it, (laughs) don't pretend. (laughs) No, I do not. (laughs) No, no, I do not pretend. (laughs) But when you watch, you can just watch and look at the players. Sometimes I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I admire admire the scenery. Little eye candy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh. Okay. So speaking of eye candy though, 
Uh, how did your husband catch your eye? Like, how did you two meet? What's your love story? How long you've been together? Oh, actually, that's a that's a good one. Since we mentioned hockey, we actually met playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we're going on seventeen years now, wow. and uh, yeah, I met like we're babies pretty much, still mm-hmm. in high school. Um, yeah, I was I think I was seventeen. He was sixteen. He's a year younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my stepdad and his dad, they worked together and, um, they'd known each other since they were in high school, stuff like that. And, uh, my stepdad was like, Hey, we're doing like a work shinny hockey thing. Do you want to come out? And I was such a nervous, shy teenager before I met my husband. Like I didn't want to do anything at all. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know what? Like, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone here and I'm going to go. And, uh, I went and we played and, uh, I didn't know who Ryan was. That's my husband, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I made a nice pass on the ice and uh, I went off the bench and he like hit me in the shoulder and he's like, hey, nice pass. And I was like, hi, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and it was love ever since. So, oh, you yeah. made a pass at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's so cute. He scored your heart. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so cheesy. Oh, it is. we both are. Yeah. <laughs> so who so who made like the first move for like your relationship, that sort of thing? Was it you or was it him? Um, I think it was me. Uh, we started talking and all that stuff. And then uh one day uh we went out for a walk and yeah, I think I kissed him first. <laughs> He always, he always reminds me of it that I'm the aggressive one. <laughs> hey, you okay. know what you want, you get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How long, like, did until you guys got married? How long were you guys together? Um. Well, we've been married five years now. Mm. So we got married August 2016. Mm. So it took a while, but you know, we were pretty much growing up together and stuff like that, and we weren't in any kind of rush. So yeah, that's just when it felt right. Absolutely. Did you guys have like over the years, um, chats about like what your original family plan would kind of look like, or did you have something in your mind of how you sort of saw your family unfolding? You know what? He always wanted kids. Didn't really talk about it, but I, to be honest, I never wanted kids. I was one of those people. I was like, nah, I'm not having kids. This isn't me. Um, and then I told myself, you know, maybe when I'm 30 we'll see if something changes there and it was honestly like a switch went off as soon as I turned 30 <laughs> and it was like this biological clock is ticking mm-hmm. all I can think of is the my cousin Vinny movie with Marissa <laughs> Tomei when she's stomping her feet that was me <laughs> so that quickly changed and you know I was like oh you know two or three kids wouldn't be bad when we decided that okay kids is in our picture um it was like well, we need to do this quickly because we don't want to be old and you know trying to play sports with our kids and because obviously yeah we want to play whatever sport they're into we'll play with them but obviously hockey is the the number one so you know we were just like oh we want to be able to skate on the ice with them and you know build ice rinks and all that stuff so that was a big part of it is this I always laugh thinking like you don't want to be an old mom or an old parent and like infertility robs you of so much and your youth Oh my God, it's so true. Like, and being a young parent, whatever you, you deem as being young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, obviously at the time, like when you're younger, if you will, 
you know, that's what you're thinking. Like, oh, I can't be old. But then when you get to this age, you're like, well, I'm not old yet. What was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Still do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until you, we were chat, we had another uh, podcast episode and they were saying, um, you know, when the, once you hit 35, now mm-hmm. you're considered a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, oh, thanks for that. You go yep. from being this, you know, fertile woman of sorts. And then all of a sudden you're geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> I know you're like, pardon me. <laughs> you turned into an old woman. I don't need diapers yet. Like come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> your eggs are shriveled up and they're dying and you yeah, you're just done. <laughs> so, um, once you guys decided that, you know, kids were in the picture, do you want to sort of walk us through what your fertility journey has been like and where you are now? Yeah. Well, um, I guess it starts back 2018. Um, we started trying a little bit. We weren't really advertising it. You know, we tried like one or two times, uh, weren't successful. Um, but that's when I started noticing that my periods were getting really, really heavy, um, like out of control, heavy, um, I was having all kinds of crazy symptoms. You know, my cycles went from like 28 to 30 days um, to 35 and 36 day cycles. Mm. Um, Yeah, lasting longer than seven days. I was getting like extreme bloating. Um, I was anemic. Um, I didn't know what was happening with me. I was having like a lot of numbness in my legs and like restless leg syndrome. And my doctor was like, yeah, it's because you're anemic. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. Why am I anemic? Mm-hmm. Um, I was even getting like flu-like symptoms on day one, two of my cycle. Like I would shake un- uncontrollably. I would um, have like the hot and cold sweats, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, this is nuts. What is happening with me? I need to go see my OBGYN. So I went to see her and it was like around fall 2018 and uh, she did some ultrasounds and a sauna histogram and she's like, yep, you have fibroids. And I was like, oh, fibroids, what are these things? Um, And she told me that I have multiple, I don't quite know how many, but she was just like, you have a lot and you have one that's like the size of a navel orange. And I was like, holy, that sounds huge. So she basically told me what they were all about and uh, that uh, she would recommend me having surgery, the laparoscopic myomectomy. And she's like, I know that this will definitely help your periods and I'm pretty confident that it will help you get pregnant. So I was like, oh, surgery, like that's a big deal. But I was like, this sounds like a double win to me, like anything to relieve my periods at this point. Um, And it helps me get pregnant why not you know because we were just starting out and any help sounded like it would be good to me right Mm -hmm. did they say to you where like where they were if they were on the outside or on the inside I don't think I had anything uh on the inside I think they were on the inner wall and the outer walls at that point Mm -hmm. um but they were just pushing a lot and I think one was really pushing into my bladder which is why I was having to use the washroom all the time. Mm. Um, I fucking know that feeling. Oh my God. <laughs> it's the I, worst. I have can... to pee every 30 minutes aside from yeah. four-year-olds. Right. <laughs> I can remember one time when they were getting so bad, uh, I went to the gym at work and I always pee before I work out. It's just something I do. Went to the washroom, go to the gym. I get to the gym and all of a sudden I'm just like, 
oh my God, I might pee my pants. I literally ran out of the gym, back to our change room, and I almost didn't make it to the washroom. And this was in like three minutes of of using the washroom. I was like, oh my God, what is happening to me? Like, I'm not 80. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. But this is how crazy that some of the symptoms can be from them. Uh, but yeah, so um, I was like, okay, surgery it is. Let's do this. Um, and then she warned me that um, I wouldn't be able to try for about six months after the surgery. And that if I did get pregnant, I would have to have a C-section. And I mean, I was just like, oh, um, okay, I guess if you say so. And all this, you know, trying to conceive stuff was new to me, but it was at that point where I was like, hmm, this is, I'm, this decision is being taken away from me, you know? And I get that in pregnancy, women don't always have an option or their birth plan doesn't go, you know, to plan. And I understand all that stuff, but I was just kind of like, oh, I don't even, like, I'm not even pregnant yet, like not even close. And I'm already being told that like, I don't have any other option. So it's just kind of like, what am I getting myself into? Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I went ahead with it. Um, I spent a few months, I don't remember what the medication was called, but I spent a few months on meds that stopped my period to help shrink the fibroids. So I mean, that was glorious on its own, not having a period. And then it was May of 2019 that I had the surgery and um, everything went well. I came out of it and the doc was like, yeah, everything looks good. We got even more fibroids that we didn't know you had. So that's great. And I'm like, oh, okay, fantastic. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it sounded great to me. And uh, honestly, like the minute I had that surgery, I felt amazing. Like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, my period started to be, I guess, normal. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is what it's like to have a normal period, you know, not mm-hmm. going through a million tampons in one cycle. Um, it was a crazy feeling. And I felt like I could, you know, run the world within two weeks of having that surgery. Um, I was working out all that stuff. And my doctor's like, no, 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 you can't work out for like a month. Like you could get a hernia. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should slow it down. Like, <laughs> don't be a hero, Jenny. Um, So I honestly was like six months to wait to, you know, TTC. I was like, oh, that seems like excessive, but I'm like, okay, I know that I feel like a warrior and I'm strong and all that, but I get that this is an internal thing and I do have to take it easy. And um, at that point, our best friends were getting married in October. So I was like, that's kind of perfect timing. That's six months. Exactly. I said, so we can kind of not worry about, you know, trying to make a baby and just focus on them and, uh, attend to their wedding and have fun and we'll try right after mm-hmm. so that was kind of the plan and it worked out I mean the six months flew by like I said everything was going really well it was like a whole new world for me in terms of my periods uh, except the one symptom that I did get I had never had PMS before like ever when I was younger and all of a sudden I got sore boobs for like the entire time like the minute like I guess around like ovulation until um, my period would come, I had these incredible sore boobs. And I'm like, I'm pancake penny over here. Okay. I don't have boobs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like itty bitty titty club. So I'm not saying that you can't have sore breasts when you have small boobies, but <laughs> it was just so weird for me. And I was like, what is happening? Like, are these the hormones? Is this from the surgery? Is this supposed to be normal? Like mm-hmm. it was just so weird for me, but I was like, sure, I'll take it if it means that my periods are normal, right? But uh, 
yeah, so October came and we started trying. And uh, the first couple of months we weren't successful. And I am super A-type personality, competitive with myself. Like this just this wasn't working for me. I wasn't having it. Like, what do you mean I'm not pregnant right away? This, mm-hmm. this can't be real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, you know, taking it hard and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? You know, I obviously understood that it can take a year for some women. But again, in my mind, I was like, no, no, that shouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kept at it. And uh, January 2020, so it was only four months in, uh, we got pregnant. And uh, it was like, it was amazing. It was like this little miracle. And we were so excited. And it was actually, it felt like it was the perfect month because a lot had actually happened in that month. Um, my mom was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer that month. So I was just like, oh my gosh, maybe this is meant to be, you know, like this, maybe the fight that she needs Mm -hmm. to uh, get through this, you know, and she's been bugging me for grandkids since I was 20, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that was her place on in this world, right, was to be a mom and like she was like the ultimate caregiver. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is what she needs. Um, So I felt like that was like a a huge win. And Mm -hmm. uh, also my husband had ended up in the hospital that month. He has ulcers. He has uh, particular peptic ulcers. So uh, a few years back, they had actually exploded on him. And he ended up in the hospital needing like nine blood transfusions and surgery. And I almost lost him. So it had happened again that month and we caught it in time. So it wasn't anything huge, but he still had to spend a week in the hospital. So it was a quite stressful month. So I was just like, wow, like this is the perfect ending to the month. You know, like we find Mm -hmm. out we're pregnant, like maybe things will come together. We also found out that my best friend was pregnant as well. She was a few weeks ahead of me. And also another set of our best friends were pregnant also. So it was like, oh my God, all three of us at the same time, you know, like we had talked about this, like how cool would it be, you know, if we actually Mm -hmm. got to do this together, you know, you dream and all the fairy tale stuff, but you're aware that it may not happen, but Mm -hmm. we're like, holy shit, like this is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, mine ended in miscarriage. um, And both of them went on to have two beautiful babies. um, And That whole miscarriage thing was such a huge eye-opener to life. And um, actually, the way I found out about um, the miscarriage and how it was dealt with was a shit show on its own. I was about six weeks on. Actually, just before that, so around five weeks, I contacted my OB because she told me like after my surgeries, like, if you get pregnant, call me, I want to deal with you. Don't call anybody else. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like what service? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I called them right away and her secretary was like, Oh no, hon, you know, you don't call us. You just call your family doctor. And I was like, Oh, okay. But my doc said to, to call, like you guys would take care of me. She's like, well, we don't see you till 11 weeks anyway. So uh, you have to call your family doctor. I was like, okay, look, I'm not going to argue with you. That's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call my family doc and I went and saw him and he's like, okay, well, there's nothing we do until about 11 weeks. And I was like, oh, what's this 11 weeks? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. this seems weird because I know that my friend had her ultrasound at six weeks and saw her little peanut and everything. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is just standard practice. I'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. So I was prepared to wait the 11 weeks. And uh around six weeks, I started having like this bad pain in my side. I was like, something's not right. And uh, 
my doctor went on vacation. So I went uh, to the walk-in clinic and the doctor there was like testing for everything. And he's like, I don't see any signs of like kidney infection or anything. He's like, have you had your dating scan yet? I'm like, no, what's that? He's like, oh, we usually do that at six weeks. And uh, he's like, who's your doctor? So I told him and he started laughing because he's like, oh, I know him. I used to work with him. He's old school. And my doctor is so old school. Like he's ready to retire. I've had him since I was a baby. I love him to death, but like very old school. Like dinosaur. (laughs) Oh, yes. Everything is just he's not there's no new for him. So he's like, trust me, he's not wrong. This is just what we do now in like new practice. And I was like, oh, okay, well, sure, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went for that ultrasound and I guess like I was supposed to be six weeks and I was only showing like five weeks, three days. So I had this lady and she was just one of those ones that's just like so abrupt and like, she was like asking me, she's like, are you sure you're pregnant? And I'm like, um, well, I don't know. I took three tests. I mean, I'm supposed to rely on those. So it's like, <laughs> why so. do you see something different? Like mm-hmm. what? <laughs> She scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, I think so. And she's like, oh, yes, yes. I see here. I see oh. here that you are. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then um, followed by like, oh, well, you know, you're only measuring five weeks, three days, but don't worry. You know, sometimes when they're only a couple days behind, like we just give it another two weeks. So come back in two weeks. So I go back in two weeks and it was obviously the most like agonizing two weeks. Cause I'm like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's going on. And I have like no symptoms whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I went back in two weeks and uh, they were just like, oh, no, nothing new to report. And I was like, OK, so I knew something was wrong. So my doctor still wasn't available. So I went back to the walk-in clinic and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We have to tell you that you had a miscarriage. And they're like, we can, um, you know, we can give you ways to help you along. Like either you can wait to see if it'll um, pass on its own, or we can give you the medication, um, or you can do a DNC. I was just like, like, I've never been through this before. I don't know. I'm like, none of those options sound good at all. I was Mm -hmm. like, I need to talk to my husband first, you know, like, I'm gonna go see my family doctor. Um, like I just, I couldn't make a decision at that point. Mm-hmm. So I left and um, told my husband, and obviously, like, that's when I broke down and like, you know, why is this happening to us and all this stuff? And um, I was like, okay, well, like, I guess I'll wait to see if it passes. So this is when I start doing all the research, of course, on miscarriages and watching all the YouTube videos and all that stuff, you know, driving yourself crazy. Mm-hmm. And then this is where it gets like a little crazy because I started to have a back and forth with my family doctor and my OB. So like, it was like a week or two that went by and um, it wasn't passing. Like I I didn't, nothing was starting and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So I call my family doctor and he's like, oh, well just wait a little bit longer. I'm like, okay. Um, So then I did, I got my period and I was like, okay, like it wasn't heavy. It wasn't too light. Like I, I just thought that it was normal and that's what was happening. And then it didn't stop and it carried on for like two weeks. Um, Yeah. And so I call my family doctor and he's just like, "Um, well, I'd really like, I really want you to deal with your specialist, like call your OB. And I'm like, okay. So I call her and they're just like, no, you know, we can't deal with anything right now because of COVID and we were full into COVID at this point. This is, you know, end of February, 2020. And everywhere is freaking out because they don't know what's going on and shutting down and everything, right? So they're like, call your family doctor. 
So I call my family doctor again and he's just like, okay, well, I'm going to order you an ultrasound. Um, so I go and do that. And it shows that like my lining is still thick and all that stuff. And he's like, I really don't want to deal with this. I want you to deal with your specialist. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my okay. gosh. So I finally get a hold of my specialist and I'm talking now I've been miscarrying for two months. And everything that I know about is that people usually have this dealt with within like a week. Yeah. You know, so I'm like sitting at two months and I'm like, what is happening here? Like, I need this done with, like, I'm going through a lot of, you know, like uh, emotional issues and I just want this over with and not to mention like my health. I finally get into my OB and like, she personally called me um, cause he sent her the reports. She's like, Oh my God, Jenny, I'm so sorry. There was a miscommunication and with everything COVID hasn't helped. And, uh, she's like, I need you to come in right away. So she ended up giving me, uh, misoprostol, the medication to take. And she's like, if this, uh, doesn't work, um, she gave me her personal number and she's like, message me right away. Mm. So I took it. I had like the slightest cramping. It was nothing to write home about and nothing happened. And I had stopped bleeding by this point. Mm-hmm. So I went back to her and I remember her saying like, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but we need to get this dealt with because it's life threatening. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> and <laughs> like waiting two months here. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, she drew me like a picture and she's like, unfortunately you have a fibroid Um, inside your uterus and she's like I'm pretty confident that that's what's caused the miscarriage so with these fibroids like we said like they can be on the outside of your uterus inside the wall or can be inside the uterus I think they're called submucosal so it was a submucosal one that was inside and I guess it grew and then the embryo implanted right next to it so I guess it just you know halted its growth so she wasn't 100 percent sure but she was pretty confident that that was the issue so then of course all these things start running through my mind like oh my god my fibroids are back like how long have they been back for like did this just grow because of pregnancy or like what's going on here she's like if it wasn't COVID I would get you this was a Thursday and she's like I would get you in tomorrow but um, you have to go and have a test and everything like that so I'm gonna have to get you in on Monday and I just hope that everything's okay until then. And I'm like, well, yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> I hope I'm okay. <laughs> but anyway, so I have the surgery on the Monday and it turns out that she did a DNC and a myomectomy at the same time. So she removed the fibroid while she was in there. Wow. And because of COVID, I couldn't go under general anesthesia. So I had to have an epidural to freeze me from the waist down, which they apparently like never do is what I was told. Um, and I was like, an epidural, like, I don't even have any kids and I'm getting an epidural. Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Yeah. And uh, that was an experience on its own. Like, I was awake for the whole thing. Um, it took me like eight hours to thaw out afterwards. It was crazy. She comes back out and says everything was successful. Um, she got all the tissue out and she was going to test the tissue to see um, if there was any chromosomal issues or anything like that. But uh It was a little bit too late, obviously. And even the nurses, when I was there and I was telling them what happened, they were all like their mouths, like hit the floor. They're like, two months you've been waiting. That's insane. You could have gone septic. And I'm just like, yeah, scare the shit out of me now. I don't you. (laughs) Yeah. But I was just like, I can't believe this. Like two months I had to wait for this. Like that just seemed ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
she also told me that she's like, I tried really hard to get all of the fibroid, but I think I left some in there because it was too much tissue for me to see. So she's like, I'm going to need you to go back for another sono um, so we can see. I'm like, okay, no worries, whatever. She's like, but in the meantime, you can keep trying. She's like, I'm not sure if this would affect another pregnancy or not, but I'd be more confident if, if I got it out again. Um, I moved on, you know, I was happy to have it over with. And I was like, wasn't meant to be. Um, it's not a big deal. Like now's our time, you know? Mm -hmm. So in June of 2020, I went for that Sono again and she's like, yeah, some of the fibroids still there. So I'm going to have to book you in for surgery. So she booked me in for September. So I got a hysteroscopic myomectomy. So it's not really invasive. It's just where they go in through the vagina with the, uh, scope Mm -hmm. and they resect it there, which is what like happens with a DNC. Um, so I had that done in September. We weren't successful all summer trying, you know, I did the whole, you know, okay, you know, weren't successful this month, but maybe next month, stay positive, you know, our time's coming and, Mm -hmm. um, month after month after month, nothing. Were you, did you guys like do tracking or anything like that? Yeah, I, uh, I was tracking hardcore at that point and, you know, doing all the tips and tricks (laughs) that everybody can tell you to do, you know, standing on your head and, you know, <laughs> all well, the silly things. Fucking celery, because that's yeah. what you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Everything you can think of, you know, you name it, I was on it. I even started with the supplements. And, you know, as the months went on, like the supplements, I had a massive bag. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> this is nuts. Um, but yeah, so I had uh, the other surgery in September everything was successful. And she was like, uh, everything looks great. We took out some more fibroids that we didn't know you had. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, she's like, everything looks great. Your uterus looks good. Call me when you're pregnant. And I'm like, well, I hope that's as easy as it sounds. Sure. Um, you know, it already been so much waiting and so much headache and all that stuff. So we start trying again and, uh, November, 2020, we got pregnant again. And I was like, wow, awesome. You know, this is great. It was a long wait, but really not that long of a wait. You know, I can't complain. And uh, unfortunately, that ended in a chemical pregnancy. So that that kind of sucked. Um, it was like the complete highs and lows of, of going through that. And uh, I called my OB at some point, like, say, November, December, something like that. And uh I talked to her and she was like, well, you know, come and see me in March because that'll be six months after your uh, surgery. And I was like, oh, my God, another six months. Like, it's just every it's always six months (laughs) after these surgeries. And it's just like, oh, how long do you have to wait? And I started thinking, like, something was up at this point. Like, is it really just the fibroids? You know, like, I, I have no idea. I haven't been told anything else. And um, I made her get me all the blood tests and everything. Um, that was actually August of 2020 and everything came back normal. My husband had a sperm test that was normal. I was like, okay, well, whatever, we'll keep trying. So again, so November, um, didn't work out December, January, February, they all roll around. Nothing's happening. I go and see her in March and, uh, she's like, okay, um, do you want to see a fertility specialist? I'm like, heck yeah, I do. Like, I'm tired of this. And now, like now you offer it? Yeah, right. (laughs) After all this time. 
Um, and I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbled because it's like, they, I guess they have protocols, right? Like after every surgery, you need to wait because there's a certain time frame where you should get pregnant after these surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they didn't work out for me. Mm-hmm. We were in March. And so she refers me to a clinic. And of course, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to go to downtown Toronto. I hate downtown. Never mm-hmm. want to go there. So there was a clinic actually in Etobicoke close to my house. So I was like, perfect, I'll go there. Mm-hmm. This was, I think we still tried for like the next two months because I didn't get into them until May. And once again, unsuccessful. Then in May, I finally got an appointment. It was a phone appointment and uh, talked to the doctor and she was just going over my history and stuff like that. And I told her about the fibroids and how that seems to be the main concern. And then she's looking at my blood work from before and she's like, oh, I'm seeing that you got the AMH test done. And she's like, it's really, really low. I'm really concerned with that. And she's like, um, if I were you, I would skip to everything and just do IVF right away. I was like, sorry, like, wow. Like, what do you mean? It's low. She's like, yeah, it's very low for your age. And then I'm thinking like, but my OB said that it was great. You know, like where was the miscommunication here? You know, if somebody would have just said something back in August, maybe I could have started with the clinic then, mm-hmm. you know, and now here we are, how many months later? Mm-hmm. And I'm just finding out about this. So I was super annoyed, but I was just like, whatever, like, that's fine. Like, I don't want to do IUIs because they seem to be a waste of time anyways. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just that's the bitterness in me coming out. <laughs> but everything I heard from people, like they usually just don't work. Yep. Everyone in our podcast so far has been IUI, like why the fuck? Like it just didn't work. No one knows of anyone that it has worked for. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I actually have a girlfriend who is uh, pregnant right now and IUI worked for her and I'm just like, oh my God, like cheering and rooting (laughs) for her because I'm like, what the heck? Like I've never heard of this. So rare. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She won the fertility lottery. Right. (laughs) But, uh, and my husband, like he was listening in on the, the conversation and he's just like, I don't care. He's like, we're doing IVF if that's what we have to do. And he's like, well, make it rain. He's like, just pay for it. I'm like, yeah, okay, Ryan. I'm like, where are we getting this money from? <laughs> he's like, I'll find it. Don't you worry. Aww. And cause he's getting eager too, right? He was so supportive throughout all of this and he's being so calm and patient, but like, it's really starting to eat away at him too. So he's just like, sure, IVF, that's what we have to do we'll do it. Mm-hmm. So, so can I ask the OB, did they, like, she saw those results and just didn't do anything about it. Or she thought that the levels that you had were normal. Whereas the fertility clinic said they're not normal. Yeah. She told me they were normal. She's yeah. like, everything looks good. And like, I am not, and I, I love her. Like I would never change doctors. I trust her, but I don't know if she just like skimmed through everything. Mm-hmm and really didn't pay attention to it or like maybe for her those normal those levels were normal and maybe for a fertility clinic they're not like I have no idea how this works but some like it's you know night and day for one or the other and I'm just like oh god like this is really messing with my life here you know Mm -hmm. so yeah that was the consult that we had and it was like yeah you should I'd really recommend that you do IVF right away and I'm like, okay, like, I guess we are. And she's like, but you know, we have to do the workup as a, workups again and all that stuff. So we may as well just try a medicated cycle 
um, with timed intercourse while we do all that stuff. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Wouldn't help, um, wouldn't hurt to do it. So in May we did the, all the workups, everything came back completely normal. Uh, Ryan did a sperm test again, and that came back normal and we did the medicated cycle. And, uh, I was like, you know what, maybe this is the push we need. Like maybe this is our time. And nope, that wasn't it either. The clinic that I was at, they just do cycle monitoring everything. They didn't do the actual IVF. So I had to be referred to their sister clinic. And, uh, so they had already referred me to them. So the day that I was supposed to get the blood work and find out that I was pregnant or not was the same day I was having the IVF consult. So in the morning when I went to get my blood draw and they called me back within like an hour or two and they're like, no, sorry, you're not pregnant. And I'm like, okay, no worries on to the IVF consult within like three hours of each other. So I was like happy that it worked out that way. And, uh, I talked to the doctor on that consult and, uh, she pretty much said the same thing that, you know, low AMH, um, you should do IVF. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. Like I should be starting my cycle, like within the next day or two, like we're prepared for this and we'll pay for it. And she's like, pay for it. Why would you pay for it? I'm like, um, cause I have to. And she's like, no, we have funded cycles. And I'm like, get out. I'm like, I'm being told that it's two years on the wait list. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, like that'll be like December, 2022. Like I can't wait that long. And she's like, no, we have cycles available. And I'm like, oh my God, I just won the lottery. Like, this is awesome. And so I was like, sure, no problem. Like, she's like, we can do it this month. Just call us as soon as you start your cycle. I'm like, oh wow, like this is quick. So I was like, okay, sure. Um, Literally the next day I started my cycle. So I called them. And I can't remember if it was day one or day three, whatever day it was, it was my birthday. And I went into the clinic and uh, they're like, oh, happy birthday, like moving forward. And I was all like, yay, feeling great here. <laughs> you know, this like you got to here. This is the yeah, year. <laughs> that's right. You got to be excited for it. Right. So, um, yeah, I got introduced to the world of IVF and uh, we uh, did the stims that month and we did the egg retrieval and uh, everything went well. Oh, they actually had tested my AMH again. And it so my AMH was at like a six. And then when they retested, it was at a 13. So the doc was just like, I don't know what's going on with you. She's like, that's, uh, it's not a terrible number anymore. She's like, it's not great for your age, but it's definitely not terrible. So she's like, I'm not sure what we're going to get with you, but <laughs> we're going to give it a go. So I ended up getting uh, 15 eggs retrieved. Nice. 11 were mature and then we had seven fertilized and six made it to day five. Amazing. I know like crazy numbers. Um, And then we did the PGT testing and we got four embryos back normal. So, you know, four little frosties waiting for us. Also so good. Yeah. So super grateful for that. Like feeling really great about it. Um, And then the plan was to do a, frozen transfer so she was like yeah as soon as your next cycle starts um come back and we'll start and everything looked clear because I had a sono done with the other clinic back in May and they said everything looked clear um I did have fibroids like on the outer walls again and stuff like that but nothing that would impede a transfer Mm -hmm. so I was super happy about that um so I mean my cycle came like six days after the retrieval I did not expect that I was like holy crap okay 
we're doing this. Mm -hmm. So I go back and they had said that it was, you know, between seven and 10 days um, for the embryos to come back from testing. So I went in um, cycle day three, like normal. And she's just like, no, we can't do it. We're on, we're on a backlog now of the testing because everybody's getting testing done. So it's taking upwards of three weeks to get them back. So she's like, if I start you on uh, the meds, I'm afraid we're just going to have to cancel it. So I don't want to do that to you. And I'm all like, oh, come on. Like everything just Mm -hmm. seemed like it was too good to be true to begin with, but it was like all working out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. She's like, no, I can put you on birth control for uh, like 14 days or something. And it'll, it'll get your period in two weeks. And I'm like, that's no big deal. You know, like what's two weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did that and um, go back for the next cycle. Um, so we're in like late July now or August. I can't remember. And uh, I go for the ultrasound and for some reason that day, I had the ultrasound manager, I think that's what she was, some tech manager, mm-hmm. um, do my ultrasound that day. And like, she never does the ultrasound. She's the one always, you know, telling people where to go. She's an awesome lady, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's the boss. So I don't really see her doing them, mm-hmm. but she did mine. And uh, I'm laying there and she's all, oh, honey, she's like we have to cancel your cycle. I see there must be a fibroid or a polyp inside your uterus. And I'm just like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. So I'm just like, oh really? Like it has to be canceled. She's like, yep, I have to get you in for a sono right away. She's like, we can't wait. And I'm like, so I really can't do it this cycle. She's like, no, 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 we can't have anything impacting you. She's like, I want to take care of you. And I'm like, well, how come nobody else saw this? You know, like, did this just grow or what's happening. So they got me in for a, a sono two days later and I went in and they were like, yep, we see it's, it's there. It's, um, it's in the way. So we can't transfer because it could cause miscarriage again. Right. And you don't want anything to be affecting that. So I was just like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. Like another thing. And what, the doc- was it a polyp or was it a fibroid? It's a fibroid, hmm. fibroid. So, um, I know. So the doctor was like, oh, but don't worry about it. Like we can do it in-house in the clinic. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Because all my other surgeries were at the hospital mm-hmm. with my OB, right? And it's the big prep and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, no, no, no. Well, it's a simple procedure in-house. I'm like, oh, okay. Because I'm like preparing for the worst and like, great. How long is this going to take now? Mm-hmm. So she's like, let's see if we can get you in. You have to have it done by like cycle day 10. She's like day 11 at the latest. And I was on like, cycle day seven or eight at that point so let's see if we can squeeze you in I'm like oh okay sure sounds good well they couldn't Mm. so they're like we'll have to book you for next month so of course I leave like I'm defeated you know but I'm like okay whatever I'm like at this point like time sucks but you don't want anything to impact your chances right so I'm like you know it's just another month we'll just wait like um I was a little bit relieved too, because I was still coming off the effects from the, the stims meds and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'll just focus on working out and being healthy and all that stuff. Um, I think it was like August 30th. It was something like that. Um, I got the day booked for, to have the hysteroscopy done and I get there and um, I start, I get the IV, we go into the room and they, they start me on the meds and the doc starts the procedure and she's just like, I can't do this here. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm all drugged up and I'm like, what? And she's like, no, this is too complicated for me. Like, I can't do this in house. And like, I'm not really understanding what she's saying, but all I hear is like, I can't do this here. I need to refer you to an OB outside of here. So I'm just like, okay, well, I have my OB. So I tell her who it is. And um, like, to me, in my head at the time, it sounded like the worst ever. Like, I, I thought that I was going to have to have another laparoscopic myomectomy, the way she was talking. So they got me off the table, brought me back to the little room. And for the first time, like, I think during this whole process, I just broke down. That was like my breaking point. The nurse came in to check on me and like, I was just sobbing. Like I was just bawling my eyes out and she just came in and like kind of just stopped and handed me a box of Kleenex, (laughs) turned around. Like she just didn't know what to do, but I just, I was just defeated at that point. Like I was like, are you kidding me? Like I have to have another surgery. Is it going to have to be the big one, you know, where I'm out for six months? Like what is happening here? Like, I can't believe I'm at this point everything was just going so well mm-hmm. like I'd be on the table and I'd be like just fucking take it out <laughs> just do it you're already there oh if I wasn't right? so drugged up I that's yeah. probably what I would have done oh but I was just like oh my god like this can't be happening and I feel like I would have done the same with you I would have just broke down like it's just I feel like listening is just like you would just tossed around like a ping pong here and here and here and like and, you, and you're like okay okay and the, and like you know you're trusting the doctors and it's just tossed around all the time and then I just feel at that point I'm like enough is fucking enough like I don't even know what to do anymore at that point like oh yeah that's exactly how it was you know like I'm I've tried so hard the past two years to stay positive and, you know, like motivated, you know, I allow myself to grieve when I need to and, you know, get down, but then get right back up and, you know, like our time's coming all the whole nine yards that we always talk ourselves through. And at this point I was just like, that's it. I give up. Like I literally just, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then like the doctor called my husband and explained a little bit more to him. Mm -hmm. And I went home that day and I was just like, I, I don't know what to do. And then uh, he explained to me what she had told him. And uh, it sounded like she said that it's just where the fibroid was. It was too hard to get at because I had another fibroid pushing in on my uterus. So it was kind of like they couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. So it would have been too much pain for me. Mm-hmm. So I needed to go under, but they can't do that at the clinic. Okay. So that's what I took from that. But at when I was talking to her, I thought I had to have the major abdominal surgery again. So that's mm-hmm. why I was just so defeated. Mm-hmm. So of course, like I bounced back and I was like, okay, you know what, if that's all I have to do is just get in with my OB and have this hysteroscopy again, like no worries. And I'm like, I know that they're going to send the referral. I said, but maybe I'll just call my OB's office and I'll check in and just say, Hey, like, you know, you're going to get a referral coming. This is what's happening. And so I call the next day and of course they're closed for 14 days. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I really thought maybe I had a chance the same cycle to like maybe get in there and maybe mm-hmm. she had something available. And I'm like, yeah, of course you're closed. Why of wouldn't course, you be? <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. Oh man. So uh. yeah. So I'm just, 
I waited when they got back and uh, I called and I wasn't hearing from them. I even checked back in with the clinic and said, hey, like, just so I can rule out like a communication error. Did you send the referral? And um, the secretary there was like, yeah, no worries. I sent it, but I'll check in again. So everything was good on that. And then they finally called me or I called them, sorry. And I finally got a hold of them. And uh, she's just like, yeah, well, we don't have our October list yet for surgery. So I'm just waiting on that. And um, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, you know, if you can squeeze me in or earliest appointment, it'd be so appreciated. And like, I kind of gave like a little bit of a, a backstory, you know, like that I've been waiting to transfer and all that kind of stuff. And um, I mean, I love my OB secretary, but she's just one of those ladies who's just like the world's ending when she's working <laughs> and she's so busy and like, she just doesn't have any empathy whatsoever. And I'm, I'm not important like at all compared to the thousands of women that they have on their roster, you know, for patients and stuff like that. It's just sometimes, you know, a little something goes a long way. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just wait for your call. Mm -hmm. And of course I'm at work and I go to the gym. I come back, shower, put my phone down for literally two minutes. I miss the call. <laughs> so I'm trying to listen to the message and it's just like, yeah, you have an appointment on the 25th of October but I couldn't make out like, is that the procedure? Or is it in office? But it did say in office. And I was like, well, do I have to go there beforehand? I couldn't tell, but I'm like, October 25th, like, come on, that's an entire month away. Mm -hmm. So I call back and uh, I was just like, cause this entire time I'm like a firm believer of you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Like I am mm -hmm. a super, like a super nice person when it comes to like understanding administrative work and everything like that. Like you're not getting anywhere in life without the people who do that work. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm never rude to those people, but you have to push. If you want something done, you need to push. And I've mm -hmm. done that a few times. Like when I started with the first um, clinic, they didn't want to get me in on day three. They're like, oh, sorry, we're busy. And I'm like, so you're going to make me wait an entire month for just for a day three checkup I said no you're gonna squeeze me in and they're just like oh you just want me to squeeze you in I said yeah I do <laughs> and they're like oh okay I guess we could squeeze you in I'm like was that so hard <laughs> good for you like, good you have you. you have to do that you have to do that when you're dealing with this stuff because you're just you know it's like a revolving door and you're like it's just another number and an assembly line mm -hmm. so you have to speak up for yourself so Obviously, I'm impatient at this point, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to call. I don't care if I sound like a bug. I don't want to be that person, but mm -hmm. I've got to be, you know, like nobody's going to do this for me except for me. Mm -hmm. So I call her back, and I was just like, oh, you know, I just wanted to confirm like what October 25th is about. And she's just like, what do you mean? What is it about? It's to see the doctor. Like she was so rude. And I was just like, oh, I'm like, well, sorry. I'm like, I wasn't sure if I couldn't hear the message properly. Like, is it the procedure? She's like, no, it's the same thing you've done on all your other surgeries. It's to talk to her and sign the papers. And I was like, okay, lady, like, thanks. And I'm like, you really can't squeeze me in. And she got so mad. She's like, times have changed with COVID. We're not in the business of squeezing people in anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, thanks a lot. I'm just not dealing with this. So I just hung up and I'm like, October 25th it is I guess <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and we'll see from there mm -hmm. so that's where I'm at I'm just waiting for this procedure and I'm just hoping that that's all I have to have like just part of me feels like I'm gonna have to do like another scan or something and they're gonna tell me that I have to do the abdominal surgery again like just something inside is telling me like that's what's gonna be my conversation with the doctor and I'm just like, please don't let that be 
you know, my future. Like, just let me have this simple hysteroscopy and hopefully I can move on to a transfer finally because it's just been months of having them canceled. So Mm -hmm. I know that's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is just to like go through everything and then finally get there and be like, okay, you know, like everything's looking good. And then just like, I haven't even had the opportunity yet to transfer, mm-hmm. you know? So like just wondering like what that will be like and uh, you know, what the odds are for us. So yeah, it seems like, you know, one roadblock after the next in your journey, that's <laughs> you all it's been on breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, like, time has been everything. And I'm just, you know, I'm eager and I'm anxious. And, you know, like, we're not getting any younger, time just keeps ticking and passes us by. And, you know, of course, you know, we've all heard, and we all do the same thing where it's like, okay, you know, like, maybe I'll be pregnant by this holiday or this Mm -hmm. birthday, and I'll be this age. And that just keeps on rolling and nothing seems to be happening, you know, and, and uh, the other day, I just kind of like, had a breakthrough in my mind where I was like, you know, it's not so much time anymore for me. I'm wondering, like, will I even be able to carry my own child? That's where I'm at because these fibroids are just such a pain in the ass. And, you know, I mean, you get it, Elle. Like, you just, get it. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know, like, what if it'll work for you, you know, like, will my uterus do its thing and, and carry this baby or, well, we have to look at other options. So that's, that's where I'm at. Like, I'm no longer, you know, oh my gosh, when's it going to happen? And it will happen. It's, it's the ifs. And I, I have to be realistic with that. Yeah. I feel like for myself, it hit me out of nowhere. And it, it like, cause when you first start out, when they're talking to you, when you're dealing with a uterus with fibroids, they make it seem as though like, it's sort of like a, yes, it could be causing some complications, but everything looks good, but everything looks good. It's always this, right? like there's always the possibility because fibroids don't 100% equal infertility or, you know, you're not able to carry a child or, um, you know, miscarriage and things like that. Yes. Do they contribute to it? hundred percent, but it's not one does not equal the other because there's women all over the world, which I've been told by a physician before women all over the world with huge fibroids carry perfectly fine children. Absolutely. And then, so they give you this like false sense of security and that, Oh yeah, like I'm good. We can do it. Right. Yeah. And definitely like going through infertility and having seven and a half years under my belt and doing multiple rounds with medications and stuff and hormones. We also have to take consideration in that the hormones play a part in the growth of these fibroids as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like you're trying to do one thing, but you're feeding another problem at the same time. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. I think that's what happened with me was I think the doctor said that the stims medication probably contributed to this last growth mm-hmm. inside my uterus. And I'm just like, well, but that's what happens when you get pregnant, your hormones spike. And is mm-hmm. that going to be a problem? Like, is that what happened with my first pregnancy? You know, is, was it all clear? And then I got pregnant and it grew at the same time. Like, I don't have any answers from for anything either. So I'm just kind of yeah. left in the dark. And, and I'm at this point, I'm assuming that fibroids are my only issue because I haven't been told anything else. But then I still wonder, like, is that the only issue? Like, I have no clue what's happening. Yeah. Oh. I, it's so frustrating. I don't know if you'll ever have the answers, right? You know what I mean? Like that you're looking for in regards to the fibroids. Like I don't know that they can 100% say yes or no, either way. 
which is literally the most infuriating fucking answer ever. <laughs> it is. Right? Because it would just be like, okay, I can, you can deal with it. If you know that this is the way that this is, or this is the reason, then all right, what are your options? What can we do to fix it? Mm-hmm. What procedures, medications, whatever the case may be. And when it's right. unknown, you, you just, you're like, what do I do? Like, I just want to take these fibroids and I just want to strangle them and like punch them and be like, get lost, get out of here. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. They're life ruining. I fucking hate them. Mm. I would never wish a fibroid on my worst enemy. <laughs> and people don't understand, you know, as much as they want to, like, there's just no way for anybody to understand it unless you experience it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard to relate to anybody, you know, because it's, they're just like, oh, okay. Like I never knew what those were, but they still don't get it. Even if they look it up or. Yeah. Right. Cause they didn't experience it like you and the right. frustration of like, you're almost there. And at a, at one point in your journey, that might be a turning point, And then it's taken away from you again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, because they're common, right. They are common growths to have. Um, many women do. And so, if, but if you have like a 0.5 or a two centimeter fibroid that's on the outside of your uterus, the chances of that affecting, and you have one, right. the chances of that affecting pregnancy are, you know, slim to none. But when you start to get into, or when your ultrasound tech is, is doing the ultrasound and it's like, oh, your uterus looks like a bunch of grapes. There's so many fibroids on it. And you're sitting there and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah, like what's going on in there? <laughs> yeah. Like I can't see a spot without one. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is great news. Right. You know, and it's just, uh, I wanted to talk about your dignity. I mean, like yeah, infertility is just wonderful, top notch, but like you having to do so many hysteroscopies and even like all the ultrasounds and Sonos on their own are annoying. Oh, the I, worst. I think I've done what, like f- three or four at least. And like, I can recall like how uncomfortable they are. And, you know, like all the people in the room and all the things happening. Like, how do you feel about that? Oh, you know what? Honestly, it got to the point where I just felt like I'm a professional now. Like my last uh, surgery. Uh, the anesthesiologist and like whoever was like, they're bringing me into the OR and they're just like, okay, so this is what I'm like, yep, we got this. Let's go hop up on that table. Like, no worries. Like when, where's the IV? When's it coming? Like, I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know if this is like a good thing, bad thing. Like, is this funny? Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be humorous myself, but I'm like, I literally am like, I'm a professional at this now. Like I might be better at this than my job. (laughs) What's happening here? Right. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's so invasive and it's so vulnerable and, um, you know, like I'm, I'm good with my body and, um, I can be a closed person. I can be an open person depending on the situation, but this is like, this is next level. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like every, anybody who's going through something like this understands the vulnerability, but when you're just there and everybody's poking and prodding you, you're just like, you know, what do I have left? Mm-hmm. You know, like, all right, just have at it <laughs> at this point. Like everyone's seen everything. So who's another person? <laughs> Come on in. Um, I remember some of the procedures. I would laugh. 
Like it, it's laughable with the amount yeah. of people that are like sometimes circulating around you. And when things are happening, you're just like, this is ridiculous. Wait, do you feel like you're on like a circus show or something? Like they're looking at a crazy act or something? Like <laughs> I've had that experience. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it's, it is, it is in a whole other level. And even like trauma associated with all the treatments and everything that we've had to go through. And even the amount of ultrasounds, like I hadn't had an ultrasound in a while. I don't know if I mentioned it in one of our podcasts or maybe just M us chatting. And I had to go for an ultrasound recently within the last couple of months. And I had, a, I was having physical reaction. I thought I was fine. I, you know, you go for an abdominal, it wasn't even a pelvic, it was abdominal. Uh, wasn't even for gynecological reasons. Right. So I'm lying on the table and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm going flush. I'm starting to sweat. My heart's beating so fast. I feel like I can't breathe. I'm like, I'm lying there. I'm like, I'm having a full on panic attack over a simple ultrasound that I've done hundreds of times, you know, before now over the years, it's probably been hundreds of ultrasounds. Mm -hmm. You get so used to doing them. But I'm like, I'm, I'm literally, I have PTSD because of this because of the trauma that our bodies have had to go through. 100%. I was going to say that too. Um, like PTSD is so real and I don't use that lightly. I mean, in my line of work, it is so uh, apparent and um, I experienced it myself. So um, I don't mean to offend anybody by using the term, but I would never, ever, I don't take it lightly. Um, but I have PTSD from my periods. I do though how heavy they were like they were Mm -hmm. it was so traumatic sometimes like I couldn't do anything or go anywhere and you know now that things have gotten better after the surgeries I still panic and I'm like oh my god like is this what's what's gonna happen like I can't go here I can't do this what if this is heavy or what it is an unreal like anxiety provoking fearful feeling and I'm like I've legit sat there sometimes going like I really do think I have PTSD from all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's insane to think that something like this yeah. could cause this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet we, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We're not oh, like even myself, I've been private with my journey for so many years. You know, we don't talk about it. We have this shame that's associated with it. And we are just supposed to pick up and keep moving forward and act and feel as though it's not affecting us when right. really it is. It is mm-hmm. is a huge part of our life. Fact of our life, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Sure. I know. I I didn't want to talk about it at first either. Like I'm like, no, no. Like nobody needs to know our business. You know, um, let's just keep this private. And then afterwards, I was like, no. Why? Why hide this? You know, mm-hmm. obviously, like I'm not telling everybody who walks by me, like, hey, you know, <laughs> this is what's happening. But you want to have a look in there? Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like I've opened up to a lot of friends and uh, stuff like that, like some who have gone through their own fertility um, stuff and some who haven't. And honestly, it's it's been the best thing that I could have done was share uh, with people and open up. And that's if I can give any advice to anybody, it's, you know, like, take time for yourself, grieve when you have to um, do your own thing. But if you can find one person or a group or anything to open up to, do it. Because even whether you're going through the same thing, or it's totally different, any kind of conversation that you can have with this, it really, really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I commend you for being so open, you know, on your journey in, in the midst of, you know, the turmoil, because it's difficult sometimes to open up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. When you were telling your story, I seen so much growth in you. Like in the oh. beginning, you were just like, yeah, sure, sure. And by the end, you're like, motherfucker, I <laughs> like I'm advocating for myself. Like, no, like squeeze me in now. Was that so hard? Like I've seen that. And that's so great to see. Like, it's so wonderful to see. Another thing that I really enjoy listening to you, Jenny, is just each time, like I know if you weren't maybe at some points weren't so positive, but you do, I do see that positivity and like you're, you're, you're holding on to hope and you're, you're pushing forward. And, and I see that too. And I see patience, like, boy, do I see patience <laughs> with you? I can take a page or two. Like, yeah, it's just, it's so amazing. To, like when I, when we listen to this, it's so amazing to see. And, and, and you've been through all these obstacles and yet you still push forward. And that's the, the most amazing part is like some people could probably already been like, forget this. I'm going to look for another option, but you're just pushing forward and seeing where the road takes you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, and that's the type of person I am, right? Like I do have a lot of patience, you know, I can compartmentalize things well. Um, I handle a lot of stress. Well, Um, this, this, journey, if you will. I hate that word, but um, what else do we call it? Um, uh, Melanie from our previous podcast called The Process, because she says journey sounds too much like The Bachelor. <laughs> I think I heard Trek the other day, you know, the Trek. Um, it's tested my limits a lot, and um, it, it's put a lot of stress and impacted a lot of things, and I just, I try to work through it, and I mean, even coming on here, I, like you said, I appreciate that you noticed the change in the dynamic as it went along, because and that's what I'm I'm talking about with putting yourself into a vulnerable position if you can because it opens the doors to so much more you Mm -hmm. know so you start off a little uncomfortable but then you don't know where you're going to end up right you know you might have someone good you can talk to you know you may find um, you know happiness in hearing from others and their story uh, and it it could really help you with um, finding what you need for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, this is even the whole reason why, you know, we jumped into the Instagram world and we decided that, Hey, let's do a podcast because we want to hear from other women who are going through the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah when I started the Instagram, I was just like, I, again, like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like it's too much, you know, it's just, it's really putting yourself out there. Um, and then I struggled too with like, I have an open account and I hate doing that, you know, obviously like because of my job and stuff like that. Um, but I thought like, well, everybody finds each other using like hashtags and, and connecting with other people. I'm like, so if it's not open, I'm not really going to find many people. So I just took a leap of faith and I kept it open and uh, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Either nobody likes me and (laughs) I don't find any friends or, you know, I find a couple people and, you know, the benefits will just be so immense from, from hearing their stories and what they're going through. So I, I did it. Yeah. And look, even just you sharing your story, you helped me. Like even just finding me finding you on Instagram has helped me because it's like, oh my gosh, somebody who gets it, somebody Mm -hmm. who has the same thing as me. Mm -hmm. When I listened to your story, I think I cried the entire time. I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, oh my gosh, yes, somebody else in like the best way possible. Yeah. (laughs) Although I wish you weren't going through it, but I'm like, oh, someone. (laughs) Yeah. So it, you know, it, it definitely, you know, we're proof that 
being vulnerable and putting yourself out there, whether it be having an open page or, you know, anonymously sharing, anonymously creating an account, whatever it is that you have to do. Um, mm-hmm. cause we're out there. The community is there. Yeah. We're there. Come find unfortunate, us. but it's great. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough, Jenny, for spending your time with us and, um, who knows when whoever's going to be listening to this or when this is airing, but where we are now to when your appointment is, is not that far. So we're only a couple weeks out from your appointment. So um, we're cheering you on and Mm -hmm. we look forward to following you along throughout your journey and uh, hope that you do keep us updated and uh, where we are, you know, in your corner cheering for you. And uh, we'll say, fuck you fibroids better stop. That's right. You better beat it. Stay where you are. Exactly. Yeah. No more and, growing. That's and we pray that you have a fuck yeah moment like what you did in sports before your baby. Yeah. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's going to come. Yeah. I appreciate it so much, ladies. I thank you so much for having me on here. It was so much fun. I was so nervous at the beginning, but you're so easy to talk to. And yeah, I wish you guys all the best too. Oh, thank well, you. Thank, thank you. you. Remember, everyone in any project, including the baby project, you must take things one step at a time. Got a question for us? Or perhaps you would like to share your story and be a guest on our podcast. Feel free to connect with us by emailing us at thebabyproject underscore at outlook.com or DM us on Instagram at thebabyproject underscore. Thanks for listening.